You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of No Other Pod. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of No Other Pod. I'm Jimmy. We'll be joined by Dan a little bit later to talk everything that's been happening with Sporting Kansas City. It's been a crazy week. we got more to talk about discussing everything going down with the club there. But first, we're going to start off on a, a little bit lighter note, a bit more positive note, something that I'm really excited about, something I'm looking forward to. I am joined here today by a very special guest. We are joined by Josh Glower director of a documentary film coming out called Chasing Goals from G10 Creative that we want to talk about. So Josh, uh, welcome to No Other Bot. Yeah, man. Thanks. It's good to be here. I appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely. So um, this is a documentary that there's a trailer out for right now called Chasing Goals. Um, but why don't you go ahead and just let us know what is Chasing Goals? Yeah, so Chasing Goals is a feature-length documentary we're working on here uh, in Kansas City. Uh, it follows a, a team uh, uh, at a club called Global FC, uh, which is largely in the northeast part um, of the city. Um, the club has nine different teams, but we're focusing on one uh, elite 17s team that went to a tournament uh, this past summer. So um, the film is basically kind of a David and Goliath story. These kids uh, come from, uh, there's 29 different countries represented in the club. Um, it's made up entirely of refugee kids, refugee families. So uh, there's a lot of uh, challenges there, right? There's a lot of uh, things that these kids have to overcome outside of just the normal sort of, uh, you know, school, uh, homework, dealing with that and soccer, right? So uh, in comes a club called Global FC, um, and, and they're really... Uh, you know, their focus is on kind of the well-being, well happiness, and success of these kids, right? So um, they've put together a soccer program um, that, uh, you know, goes goes a long way with these kids. It gets them in the door. And then they also have things like tutoring and mentorship and all those, all those types of things. So it's a great organization. Um, I think it's globalfc.net if you want to look them up. Um, but uh, I came in, I'm a filmmaker. I've done uh, 20 years of film and television on a national level and uh just kind of wanted to tell some stories in kansas city um after uh spending a spending a lot of years out on the west coast so uh the long way around to that is you know the film it's a feature-length documentary that follows 17 uh refugee kids as they train and uh uh prepare to go um compete in the the usa cup which is the largest youth soccer tournament in north america Awesome. Yeah, it's that's it's a super inspiring story. Uh, the, the the trailer right now is on ChasingGoalsFilm.com. So if you have not yet watched the trailer, I would highly encourage you to visit ChasingGoalsFilm.com. Check out the trailer, learn a bl- little bit more about it. Um, how did you first get plugged in and hear about this story to, to even start making the process of the documentary happen? Yeah, so, uh, you know, it kind of started... Um, when the U.S. withdrew from Afghanistan, and I started thinking about refugees, um, where they might end up, you know, how that what what that would be like, you know. Uh, obviously, it's been a it's been a situation that's gone on, you know, for for decades and decades. But that was kind of the first time where I was like, you know, I remember I remember starting to hear people say things like, you know, well, hopefully they don't come here and that kind of stuff, and it really stuck with me as kind of a terrible thing to say, <laughs> right? So yeah. 
you know, the goal for me was then like, well, let me investigate this and sort of see like, well, what is the situation, you know? And um, I started volunteering at some resettlement agencies, uh, Dell Lamb and JBS here in Kansas City, uh, just here and there, looking for stories to tell, thinking, you know, as a filmmaker, could I humanize the story and, and maybe uh, just shed some light on the fact that like these are just people in a really bad situation uh, who do need help. Um, but it's, you know, doctors and lawyers and, and just regular people uh, as well, you know, it, it, all across the spectrum, entry level jobs, all the way up to, you know, uh, uh, big politicians, whatever the case may be. Right. And they're just in a bad situation uh, and, they, and they might need some help. So um, I started volunteering and, and looking for these kinds of stories. And uh, I really wanted to get my daughter involved. Um, you know, I wanted her to see something outside of our kind of little suburban bubble. And, uh, someone told me, mentioned to me this club, Global FC, you know, that she could actually come, she could train with the kids, she could help, she could hand them waters, you know, during practices and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, not necessarily be like an earth shattering help, but just be there and experience it. Um, and so I went out there and checked it out and I met the brand new director of coaching at the time. It was Mike Brown. He had, he started, uh, almost the exact same time I met them and he just had this idea to, uh, kind of expose these kids in these clubs to the kind of kind of uh, experiences that they're not getting just practicing and playing with the same kind of teams here. And that was to take them to this massive tournament. So um, I immediately kind of had a light bulb moment, like, you know, let's see them try to put together this team. Let's see that, you know, they tried to do it. Uh, it was, they only had a month to prepare. They had, they combined, they didn't have enough players to play on a 17s elite team. So they combined, uh, I didn't know this at the time, but there was even 14. It was 14 all the way up to 17. I think some of the kids said they were 15 and then later found out they were 14. So <laughs> it was, you know, it was 14s uh, up to, you know, playing grown men, <laughs> playing grown men essentially. And um, it was a really cool experience, you know, watching these kids come together, uh, gel as a team in, in a month, and then uh, go up there and compete against teams who have been playing together for years and years and years, you know. Um, it was a real sort of, uh, you know, the juxtaposition of sub, sub, sort of suburban teams with all the money in the world, all the parental support in the world against these kids who, uh, you know, some of them haven't been here for very long at all. Some of them don't know English very well. You know, some of them uh, have holes in their shoes. Some of them don't have shoelaces, um, you know, and, and they're competing against clubs that have everything. So, um, you know, and, and in the trailer, one kid says, uh, we have something that they don't have and that's hard. And, it's, it's just, it's true. It's an incredible thing to watch these kids come together and do what they do, which is play soccer. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. I've, I've watched the trailer a number of times. I can't wait for the, the feature length uh, version to come out. Um, it looked like, uh, at one point in the trailer, they were in the mall of America. So I assumed that the tournament might've been up in, in the Minneapolis area. Is that correct? Yeah. The, the tournament's in, uh, it was in Blaine, uh, Minnesota, which is just outside of, of, uh, Minneapolis, but the the coach had the idea to take them to the Mall of America while we were there, which which was which was a pretty wild ride. Pun pun sort of intended there, but uh, <laughs> some of these kids had never seen anything like that. Some of them work at Worlds of Fun, so it was it was not that that big of a deal. But yeah. uh, just to watch them go in there and just be kids and not have to worry about uh, anything that they normally might be worried about, you know, and and just sort of cut loose. And uh, I think we bought them each two rides, like that's all all the time we had, and yeah. Uh, you know, our friends uh, up here in Liberty who, who own a Chick-fil-A donated all these uh, Chick-fil-A meals. So we went and rode some rides and 
uh, had some Chick-fil-A and then, and then went off to take care of business in the tournament. But it, w- it was pretty fun. And that's it's interesting that everyone points that out in the trailer that there's soccer and then there's Kansas City. But like everyone's like, you should show more about them, like just being kids at the Ball of America. <laughs> like, well, yeah, and, you know, and it, and, it, and it was great, you know, just to see them all light up. And yeah. um, even one of the coach, there's a coach, one of the coaches in there who's from Nigeria. Uh, he's, a, he's a grown man. You can see him just really loving the rides. And I, I like that part of it, too. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, you mentioned that the kids, uh, as part of Global FC, come from from twenty nine different countries. Some of them, you know, may not even speak English or, or at least speak it very much. Um, so, what what was it like for you, sort of seeing this team in the month come together and then and then travel to the USA Cup? You, you talked a little bit about watching them even at the Mall of America or whatnot, but. I don't know how much you were able to sort of like put yourself in the moment from, you know, being behind the camera and trying to make sure you actually get all the shots and whatnot. But what was it like for you sort of knowing the juxtaposition from where these kids came from in in their former life, basically, to this moment where all their hard work was coming to fruition and competing in the USA Cup? I mean, I was in it, man. Like it was hard for me to film. There was uh, there's a moment where they uh they end up in a shootout with a, a team from Jamaica. So this tournament has teams from all over the world. They're, they're, they're down by three goals with five minutes left. They tie it up. It was incredible. And, uh, uh, you know, they, they got one in off a corner and then, uh, two others kind of right after that, once they let once they lit it, lit it up one time, they just, you know, they were just rolling and they, so they tied it up and they ended up in, uh, in a shootout and, my job, because I'm not a shooter, I have a, very, I have a really talented shooter who went with me who's filming the game. Yeah. My job is to film the bench, right? Oh, uh, yeah. These guys are doing the shootout while I'm filming the bench. And I like, I mean, I literally like this. It's not even in focus because I'm like, I'm looking the <laughs> wrong way. You know, I'm trying to, because I know they're going to react. Every goal, yeah. every goal, every miss, they're going to have these huge reactions. But I'm trying to catch it. But, you know, I I wanted these kids to win so bad. Uh, it was it was really hard, and and they're running off the field, and I'm like trying not to like high five them on the way out. Yeah, yeah. You know, as a as a documentarian, it's like you want to be a fly on the wall, and sure, it's not about you or anything else. But uh, you know, these kids really really won me over. It's it's you know, they're not your typical high school kids that you want to see win. They're kids that you're like really pulling. I mean, you're pulling for them. You know, they you just sure. you just want everything in the world for them, and uh, you know watching that watching them go up there and, and do as well as they did it was really incredible yeah i mean i i think there's a shot in in the trailer where it looks like it, it must have been after what like maybe the equalizing goal or something you can see the celebration and it, like i said every time i've watched it, it just gives me goosebumps i want to see see the, the whole thing play out um it is mentioned in the trailer at one point that soccer could be quote the way out for for some of these kids so um what does that mean for these kids? And I guess a second part of that is is sort of like, what what is your hope for these kids? And what is the hope for Global FC for these kids beyond this tournament and beyond Global FC as a club? Yeah, I mean, you know, my hope for these kids is that they all make it to where they want to be, right? Some of them, they want to be pro soccer players and some of them are pro soccer players. Some of these kids are uh, some of them, that's not their dream, but they want to do something else. And I hope that they make it there. And I think global is the perfect place for them to be. 
right now to make those kind of connections and learn the systems that they need to, to get into college and fill out applications and all those kinds of things. Cause that's really, that's one of the things that the club does is just really try to pair these kids up with mentors, um, people who can help them, uh, get to where it is they want to be. Um, I'd love to see them all play soccer somewhere, you know? Um, but I have to also realize like, what do they want to do? You know, sure. and most of them do, you know, most of them do want to play soccer, but I heard, you know, everything from, I want to be a doctor to, I just want to travel the world. One kid told me he just wants to go see Texas, you know, whatever it is, you know, <laughs> I, I hope they can do that. I really think, uh, the club global FC, uh, is vital and paramount and the, the network that they have created of mentors. Um, we interviewed a teacher at, at East high school and, uh, she totally downplays her role. Uh, her name is Mrs. Hunter. Um, she downplays her role as like, she just helps them with the paperwork. And it's like, not, I mean, it's unbelievable the difference that I could see that these people make in these kids' lives. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just recording that, you know? And, yeah. uh, I, I hope that, you know, people will see the film support global FC, but also will, uh, you know, maybe take a, take a minute and realize that like, uh, you know, the refugees are people, you know, just regular people. And if you can help them out, they would, they would certainly help you if they could, um, to a number, every single person that I've met through the club. So, um, you know, I hope, I hope, I hope the kids get where they want to be. And, um, I hope we can, I, I hope they like, I hope they like our movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there was another line in the trailer that, that struck me. And I think it, it's interesting because I, you know, a few jobs ago, I worked for a nonprofit that, that helped kids. And, and this is something I, I heard in, in that environment as well. But there was a line that one of the kids said in the trailer and he goes, we have something that money can't buy and that's happiness. And, and that struck me because as you mentioned, you know, the, these kids have come from what are unimaginable circumstances for many of us. And, and then they come here and, and they're still facing everyday challenges in the here and now, and you know, that, that most of us will never have to face in our lives. So what was it like for you to see the dichotomy between just what the sport of soccer can bring in terms of happiness and, and what these kids are feeling and, and what came off to me, at least even through the trailer as genuine, pure joy playing this game compared to the harsh realities that they have to face on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, so most of these kids live in the northeast side of Kansas City, which is is definitely underserved. You know, I think that's sort of the nice way to say that. You know, it's a tough area. It's a tough area. I mean, there's, you know, I grew up in Kansas City. I was gone for ten years and came back, and I never even knew that this area existed. You know, uh, so a- after spending a lot of time here, you know, that just goes to show you that like, it's that it's overlooked. It's 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 kind of a forgotten. Uh, sort of zone, you know, and, and that's no, you know, no dessert. I'm not, I'm not trying to be rude to the people trying to help it and make it a better place. Sure. There's a lot of amazing people working over there, but you know, these kids face, uh, you know, a lot of there's crime, there's food insecurity, uh, there's poverty, you know, all these types of things. Um, I had one kid who told me that he would rather go back to Africa and live in a refugee camp because he was that afraid of gun violence in the Northeast. And that to me was probably the most, uh, you know, disheartening thing that I've ever, that I've heard ever in my life. He's you know, mm-hmm. the kid, uh, who told me that his happiest, the happiest he's ever been was just playing soccer in the rain. And 
here they won't let him play in the rain. They always call it for lightning, <laughs> you know. And uh, every time it rains, you know, every time he sends me little memes now of people playing soccer in the rain, and I always, you know, I'm always like, they're playing soccer in the rain, you know. And uh, it's just, it's, it's amazing to me that you know these kids are like I said, they're in a tough spot, and soccer is in their soccer is just in their DNA. I mean. I've had kids tell me that they didn't even realize there were other sports. They thought soccer was the only sport. Um, you know, I think it's hard. It's hard. To, uh, and, and I had no real concept of this, but it's hard to understand what it must have been like to grow up in a refugee camp in Africa or, or in any of these places these kids have come where your perception of the rest of the world is, is totally skewed by uh, just your limited access to internet, you know, to TV, to, uh, you know, I had one kid tell me that he thought when they were coming to America and they got on the plane, the plane was literally taking them to heaven. And that's where America was. He thought America was heaven. And and so to see some of them just so disheartened and so disappointed when they get here and they get stuck in a place where there's 10 people living in a small house that could, could use some love and uh, that kind of thing. It's, you know, it's hard. It's hard to watch. It's hard to hear as a, you know, proud to be an American, you know, suburban guy who yeah. uh, has never really faced any kind of adversity in life. Uh, it's hard to hear. And I think it's important that other people hear that, you know, and I think it's important to, to see that like the simplicity of the game, you know, soccer's complicated, but for these kids, like just the simplicity of playing the sport, uh, it's their therapy, it's their happiness, it's their joy. It is, it is literally all they want. All they do is play soccer all the time, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's funny because we we're trying to film them outside of soccer, you know, outside of, uh, let's see you doing something else just for the film. So we can like switch up over what, what we're doing or whatever. And it's, you know, I've had several of them tell me, you don't understand. All we do is play soccer. That's all we do. <laughs> and it's, it's truly incredible, you know? And, and I think that, you know, some of that, you know, is to the credit of the club is to, you know, the credit of people like Mike Brown, who, who who drives these kids to their games. He drives them to their practices. He goes, you know, uh, there's, there's, there's this network of coaches who get their cars and they fill them up with players and drive them an hour to the game and they'll spend two hours dropping them back off again. Uh, you know, every single one of those coaches has told me the fav- their favorite time is in the car with these kids because they just let loose and tell they just talk. And they just talk to these kids and they try to figure out what's, what do they need, you know? Uh, and, and it's, it's just kind of, it's just truly, it's an incredible thing. I mean, it's so yeah. cheesy, you know, and, and there's really no, there's no better way to say it, but, uh, it's been, you know, it's been an honor to watch these people make this kind of difference in these kids' lives. And, you know, hopefully that comes through in the film. You know, we focus a lot, obviously on the kids, it's their story and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, the, the, these people are saving these kids' lives. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and yeah, a lot of times that work goes goes unnoticed and and unthanked, and and they're not paid for it usually, or it's certainly not well enough. So um, th- those people are, are are truly incredible for the amount of time and, and effort and investment they're putting in these kids for sure. Um, when when you were filming the documentary, what would you say? What surprised you most? What was something that maybe you encountered as you were filming this that that you didn't expect and maybe caught you off guard? I think the 
the one kid who told me that he would rather go back to Africa was like a record scratch for me, you know? Um, I think that was the, the thing that surprised me the absolute most, but I think the opposite of that, you know, first, first of all, that kid's right. You know, that kid's right. There's way too much gun violence and this kid, you know, they're, they've come from places where there's fights, there's knives, there's crime. They live in a tent, you know, and they're afraid to be outside, you know, and this isn't all of them, you know, sure. Most of them aren't, but you know, some, some of them are and or, right. or their parents are that, you know, that kind of thing. And, and that, that really surprised me. Um, but it's, it's my ignorance, you know, it's, yeah. it's the fact that I, you know, you always hear about it someplace else kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, and you know, and, and unfortunately until it's not someplace else. Right. And in our case, you know, this is, eight miles, 10 miles from, from where I live. And, and I, like I said, I didn't even know the neighborhood was there. Yeah. Um, I, I think that was the biggest surprise. And I think it was mostly surprising because it hadn't occurred to me, you know, yeah, it hadn't occurred to me that anybody would not love it, would not love it, would not think this was better. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's, you know, it was, it was borderline shocking, you know, but the yeah. flip side of that, you know, is the other thing that surprised me is I'm not that, I wouldn't say I'm that social of a person. And I, when I, when I walked up and I was like, it was hard for me to talk to these kids. It was hard for me to sort of break in with their little circle. And the other thing that surprised me was literally after one practice, all of them like knew me by name, uh, you know, would walk up to the car, like grab, we have all this gear. Like there was this kid, Samuel, who would carry my cases for me ever since no questions wow. asked. He would just be like, hello, Josh. And he would just pick up stuff, <laughs> carry it over. Um, just very welcoming. And I, you know, I don't know that the, it's a cultural thing. I don't know that, you know, I don't know why, I don't know if it's because they thought, you know, I was there and I paid attention and, and was another person, part of this club that was like very beneficial to them. And yeah. they just welcome to be in, um, that was surprising too, you know, and, and now I feel like I know them, but I sit here and I watch the tape all, all day where I'm in the process of editing the film and, I feel like I know them probably better than they think. I probably like, oh yeah, remember that guy who used to hang around all the time? And he was trying, said he was going to make a movie. What happened to that? You know, like to me, it's like, oh no, there's, there's Donna, there's Maposo, there's Zach. You know, every day yeah. I see, I see these kids on my computer screen, and um, and it's fun. And you know, a full circle moment. My daughter has gone out with him, and she loves these kids, and she'll come in and sit on this couch behind me and be like. She'll watch and be like, oh, there's some, that's when Donna kicked the freak. Yeah. That's when Donna scores. You know? <laughs> uh, whatever, whatever the case may be, you know, and um, it's, it's, it's been fun. You know, I've been, I was, I was blessed that they uh, let me in, you know, mm-hmm. um, they're telling me their stories, you know, now we're in the process of getting some of the, like I said, some of the home life and that kind of thing. And their fam- some of their families have just welcomed us in and we just walked in their house and started filming them, you know? Yeah. Um, other people are a little more guarded and I respect that and totally okay with that. But, uh, you know, to hear these kids, you know, anywhere from 15 to now 18, tell about this trauma that they've been through and just be so willing to tell us, um, you know, hopefully that says something about me and my crew, but I think mostly it just, you know, these kids are just very welcoming and, uh, kind of an open arms open arms deal so i think Mm -hmm. i think those are the two things that really sort of surprised me yeah it's it's a similar question i have but but it's a little different um 
what would you say you learned from the kids as you went through the process of, of filming this? And you're still filming and gathering footage and editing, obviously, but, but was there anything that you learned from them? You know, it's like a cliche to say that I learned, like, they've taught me more than I taught them. Like, I've heard the coaches <laughs> say that, you know, and, yeah. and, I, and I do believe that. But uh, I, I think I think it's just interesting that, you know, you don't have to have everything. You know, you don't, you don't have to, uh, you know, be so, the, the materialistic nature of the U S is, is, is kind of a lot, you know, yeah. and, and some of these kids have a lot of stuff and some of them don't, you know, but, uh, I've never seen or heard any of them complain about having holes in their shoes or, you know, one kid, uh, I, I have the shoe in my closet. The one kid's shoe literally fell apart during a game, um, and he just ran off the field and borrowed a shoe from another kid sitting on the bench. And, you know, he went out and played uh, with that shoe, you know, and I think, I think, you know, the point being, uh, it's an anecdote to just be like, you just got to roll with stuff, you know, yeah. and, and these kids are, you know, some of them talk tough and whatever, but like they just roll. I mean, they're just very resilient. They just roll with stuff and, uh, you know, I've caught myself, my family's sick of hearing me talk about this, right? But <laughs> I've caught myself so many times being like complaining about this and then being like, yeah, but then there's this kid who's, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're so lucky. Like everything, uh, we've worked hard to be where we are, but we're just so fortunate to have started where we started. Yeah, absolutely. Totally get that. Um, and I think what, what is interesting as, as a parallel to the film that you're making, and, and I don't know how much it, it will be touched on or not, but, but you mentioned that some of these kids do want to go on and, and play soccer, you know, beyond yeah. global FC. Um, one thing that's hard in, in the American soccer system, it's known as, as pay for play, quote unquote, where really in order to get noticed by colleges or academies or scouts or whatnot, it takes money, it takes resources, it takes time. So I think uh, one of the really cool things about this documentary hopefully is it's shining a light on that there's one this specific club in north kansas city global fc and these kids who have talent and could potentially go on to the next level but also just showing that you know almost certainly this is not just happening in kansas city this is happening throughout the country and there's communities of people who are trying to do something like this for refugees and children in undershift communities throughout the country and, and hopefully your film um, can can shine a light on that and help educate people and maybe help, you know, sort of break down some of the financial barriers that, that it requires to, to break into the next step of, of soccer or youth sports in general. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know the world of soccer and how they break in and how they do those kinds of things. But I know it's a huge challenge, even even down to uh, figuring out how to apply for things. Um, so, you know, I asked the kids like, oh, you want to play in college? Well, how do you do that? And like, I don't, they don't all know. Yeah. Um, I've had one tell me like, yeah, I can go to this camp. And so I was like, oh, cool. That's a, that's good. And I got home and I Googled this camp and it's like $2,000 for a yeah. two day thing. The kid doesn't have $2,000, you know? And it's like, right. it's, it's, and there's 17 of them on this team. The club has, I don't know how hundreds of kids, you know? So even you, you find, you know, somebody who can sponsor a kid that's great. There's 99 more, you know, yeah. um, and these kids could support their families playing soccer. A lot of them don't go play soccer because they're already trying to support their families. And, and yeah. it's like a weird sort of chicken, the egg or catch 22 where 
there's kids that could play traveling ECNL teams right now, but also they'll have to pick up their mom from work every night at 6.30, so they can't. Right. Um, and they'll choose their family every time. And again, they're right, you know. Yeah. They're right to do that. But if they had the help, they had the help to be able to to also do soccer, I mean, it would be generational. Gener- it would change things for generations. Yeah. Um, you know, if these kids who could go pro could be seen. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, before we let you go here, what's what's next for the film? Where where can people uh, learn more about Chasing Goals, and, yeah. and what should they be on the lookout for? Yeah, so we have a trailer out. Uh, you can go to chasinggoalsfilm.com. Um, you can check it there. You can email us through the site. You can also uh, just search on Instagram or Facebook, Chasing Goals Documentary. Um, but yeah, we're looking for support. You know, we're looking for this is all self funded, um, bootstrap kind of a deal. I've got a lot of experience in uh, Los Angeles and we're pitching uh, streamers and Apple TV and all these kinds of places, but we need support now. Um, so, uh, you know, if anybody out there, anybody's listening, uh, you know, just get at us, you know, send us an email and uh, we're in the process of finishing up the film. And, um, you know, I think, I think we're going to try to have it done by before some of the boys graduate high school. Um, but as we have other full-time jobs and, and all that kind of stuff, we'll see if we can get it done. Um, but yeah, the idea will be to do a, a, a premiere in Kansas City and invite, invite some, some cool people to make the boys feel like stars for a night. And, uh, you know, hopefully, like you said, get get this film in front of some, I don't know, scouts, colleges, you know, whoever we can um, and, and just kind of get the word about out, about uh, Global SC and these boys. Awesome. Well, Josh, thank you so much. Like you said, chasinggoalsfilm.com if he wants to learn more about the film. And uh, check out globalfc.net if you want to learn more about Global FC as well. So, Josh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Awesome. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. We appreciate you supporting KC Sports Network by listening to our podcast. You have helped us become the highest-ranked Chiefs podcast network in 2022 and 2023. And don't forget about our daily Substack newsletter, the best written analysis you can find on the Chiefs straight to your inbox every day. kcsn.substack.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Surprise, bitches! Blowing your minds right now. Daniel Kuser is back on the pod. Hey, man, Jimmy, you just had a sweet interview, man. I missed, I missed like a third of it. I was like, I'm here. I pro- I'm like here listening, <laughs> and but I missed like like eight minutes or some shit. It was wild. Uh, yeah, very good though. Very good oh. stuff. Well, thank you. I knew, yeah, yeah. And we knew you were going to be able to be be there for at least part of it. I didn't know when you came in. Where our setup is behind the scenes, behind the curtain. Uh, yep. There's like a waiting room and a recording like session online. So I was like, I don't, for all I know, Dan's here listening. I don't know. And then you popped up. I know. I was gonna message and be like, "Hey, handsome boys." But I, <laughs> the, I didn't. Where Josh is gonna be like, "What?" <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know this man. I I, I thought about saying uh, something, but he would have been like, uh, "Are we over done?" <laughs> <laughs> I I will say. Um, Thank you again so much to, to Josh for coming on. Uh, make sure uh, you go check out, you know, the the trailer and, and Global FC. It's a really inspiring story. So glad that we had that to talk about to yeah. break up the rest of this shit. Yeah, there's some stuff going on, man. Um, I think my favorite thing in the world right now is just seeing very innocent preseason Sporting KC tweets yeah. get blown up by our people. I mean, uh, do you hear the people say? <laughs> it's a revolution, bro. That's that's, uh, that's two straight weeks with, with Le Miz on the pod. So Two straight weeks. Will you join in our crusade? <laughs> I'm in it, dude. The crusade is on. Um, but I, dude, I want to tell you, there's a reason why we do this. And a big reason is this inter- this uh, review I'm about to read on yeah. the podcast. Um this is kind of what makes it all worth it. So hear me out. New review, y'all. If you've yet to do it, stop being a jerk and go do it. Uh, uh, R42C said, uh, five stars, a bright light in a dark SKC era. Um, I discovered your podcast a couple of years ago and have enjoyed tuning in weekly to hear your takes on SKC, banter on timely topics, and the complimentary camaraderie between the two of you. <laughs> Look at that. On one of the first No Other Pods I listened to, you discussed SKC's silence on abortion legislation. I think it was the bill affirming abortion that passed in Kansas. I'm dismayed that SKC has once again disregarded its female fan base with the decision to hire Gavin Wilkinson. But I'm really grateful that the two of you speak out time and time again in support of women and social justice in general. I'm proud that we have folks like you in the SKC community that are holding sporting's leadership accountable to these things. Regardless of whether or not I follow SKC in the future, I look forward to continuing to follow you too. Listen, well, that's very kind. Um, 
little tear to my eye. Um, yeah. I don't, you know, the thing is, I don't come on here being like, you know what? I'm about to be an SJW, baby. Social justice warrior is what that means. I, I don't I don't try to do that because I'm in my, by no means am I good at that at all. Um, I just kind of know what's fucking right. <laughs> you know, I was gonna say, some of it's just, you know, we've we've been always we've always been very honest on this podcast about, you know, we're not, you know, professional journalists. We're not professional analysts. We're, we're two friends who, who talk about the club and what it means to us. And sometimes that bleeds into other topics of interest, especially if there's no soccer to talk about. And sometimes other topics bleed their way into soccer. And that was one of those times where many clubs were speaking out. I'll speak on the abortion issue she was referencing. Uh, the, the Casey Current were. And, and Sporting was was silent on that. And now, um, like like they said, that this is another time where Sporting is making a disappointing decision. And what some people would call, quote-unquote, politics or, or virtue signaling or social justice warrior, whatever you want to call it, that whatever phrase has been co-opted, um, we're just trying to speak, you know, use, use the, 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 the small platform we have and, and, and the likely little, little influence that we have to just speak our, our, our honest truths and minds. Um, so thank you to those of you who have reached out, um, you know, uh, to, to either support us or to, to continue to share your thoughts about this matter. Um, I mean, this whole thing kind of sucks for a lot of reasons. Uh, and, and, you know, I think we, we all can, the good news is, I guess we can all lean on each other to know that we're all kind of going through this together as a community. Listen, I, I don't know this person's name that left that review, uh, but it made me feel good. And, yeah. uh, that's why I do this for self-satisfaction. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because the first thing that comes to mind is I, my immediate thought was like, you know, we don't do it to get the kudos, but, but it, I, I, you know, you're not a human, you're not a person if there's not, if you don't feel some sort of like validation or or just be like some people are listening and, and that's cool because when we did this the first time we didn't know if anyone would ever listen or how long this would go so we we are super appreciative to all of you so thank you people listen i mean there's tons of people that don't have twitter man we had like email friends for a while we we had someone who emailed us for a while and they uh they they haven't for a while so i'm worried about them <laughs> <laughs> that is true and and i will say um you know i i we did get an email uh um from from Brent Lopez, it it was a long email. I, I mentioned to him that we wanted to break it down on the on the podcast. Um, I don't know if we're going to have time to do it this week, honestly. But I, I do want to say, Brent, we haven't forgotten about your email. We can't do it this week. Maybe we'll do it next week. I think this issue with, uh, uh, surrounding Gavin Wilkinson is going to continue to be a story well past this week. So we will have no shortage of content. But I, I did want to mention um, that that there is that. Uh, so anyway. look, we've got. We've got YouTube comments too, man. Like people are listening, people are watching, people are very much uh, as upset with this as we are. Um, you know, I think our views went up last week. Yeah. Just because of this. Um, yeah. Which kind of, I mean, in a weird way, like, or not in a weird way, kind of sucks that like I want our views to go up. I don't want it to go up because the club is, you know, falling. Yeah. At the moral. Where level. were you guys? <laughs> Where were you? When I interviewed Kyrie Shelton one on one, I needed you guys. <laughs> um, I do want to say before we jump into this in more detail, um, you you mentioned the social media post, and I think it's a it, it's it's a great step in terms of voicing displeasure to the club that they continue people continue to ratio and and voice your 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 um, discontent and frustration at this decision. I will say I do want to echo something that I saw Kevin Lopez um, say on his stream and on Twitter. 
continue to 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 bombard the the social posts if you want to as a form of of dissent but but please do remember that the the person running the sporting kc social media account they are not the person who made this decision please don't direct any of your anger or ire or comments at that person or at those staff members they are just that they're staff members we they they are not the decision makers in this process and similarly the players did not have a say in this hire so we don't know what the players will say really we haven't had that opportunity to hear from them um but i just want to to make sure that we're not directing misguided frustration or anger at staff members or the players when it is a smaller number of people in positions of power who made this decision for all we know some of these staff members are all already updating their resumes could be and, and you know and that's a hard thing it's a hard thing to leave a job it's a hard thing to leave a job in sports if that's what your dream is so i don't begrudge anybody for decisions they are making um this is this is a complicated situation that that the vast majority of people at that club did not ask for so yeah if you you know i'm sure everyone listening right now is aware of what's going on too like we don't need to yeah recap I mean, we, the situation but uh you know there's 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 a little piece of shit on the uh <laughs> I said that I said that last week and my wife goes, Jesus Christ, you say some funny shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh I mean, we talked about it last week because we recorded our, our last episode of the podcast mere hours after the introductory press conference of Gavin Wilkinson. Um there have since been statements from the cauldron and the south stand, and then Ooh. updated statements from the the cauldron and the south stand. I'm not gonna read them specifically. The first statements basically said we hear you and share some of your concerns. We've spoken with the club and there will be a Q&A session with Gavin Wilkinson where fans can ask him questions and hold him accountable. And I think that was met with, to put it nicely, a very tepid response from many of the fans, basically being like, that doesn't do anything for us. Um, to be fair to the Cauldron, they have since sent out an email and a message basically being like, hey, we hear you. We've been trying to gather information from all of the supporters groups that make up the cauldron before we speak too fast. We have more meetings coming up. We're still working on plans. So um, I don't know. What did what did you make of sort of the response after and what's transpired after we recorded the last podcast? Because that was sort of like key to the moment and 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 maybe a little emotional because we had just learned it and, and we've since had time to sort of think about it more. What was your question there? What, what did you ask me? What, what did what did you what have you made of like the and, and what do you think about the response that fans have continued to keep up and and try to sustain over the last week? This wasn't just like a one day thing. We don't know how far it will go, but yeah, it'll be interesting if this is the you know how is how is sporting looking at this? Like, are they like, oh, it's it's just internet, like it's just Facebook, it's right. just Twitter. It's just Instagram. Like those aren't those aren't our true fans. And I, I hate to tell you, like these are these are the real ones. Like we're all pretty mad, and yeah. a lot of the diehards that I know um, are ones being very vocal about this. Yeah, and you know, telling similar stories to what you told last week. And and you wrote a little article, man. You wrote a little article about your feelings. Um, you got you had a lot of them, and I did. <laughs> and it was good. You know, it it told it told it like it was. And uh, I think a lot of people enjoyed it as well. I think you got some good feedback on it, right? 
Yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, there's there's a couple of, you know, jokers out there who don't want to have a serious conversation and just decide to uh, to try to, you know, throw barbs just to get a reaction. And uh, no, not <laughs> other jokers, not you. Um, but, you know, if, if people, you know, have a different thought and want to have a good faith conversation, I'm willing to have that. I, what, I, what I'm what I'm not going to entertain is I'm not willing to entertain people who just want to come out with with disingenuous thoughts or aren't going to have a conversation in good faith and just want to be you know shut up get over it. Um, I got to so. be honest. I don't ever I don't ever try to uh, disagree with you because I know you got the facts. I know, <laughs> dude. I know you've done the research. I know you've looked it up. And really, that's how I approach my conversations in general. I'm like here's my opinion, but I could take it or leave it. Cause I really don't know that much about it. Like, yeah, I don't know all the facts to a lot of bullshit. Um, and this was one as well. Like you've had to really educate me about this a lot. And yeah. it has been, uh, it's been crazy, man. And I, I don't know if sporting's going to give a shit what fans think. Well, yeah, it is, it is tough. Cause I think kind of where I'm at now, a week into this is, you know, I saw, Somebody, I think it was Zach. Um, Zach is here, Zachary Cobb on Twitter, who kind of was like, it's hard to know at this point how widespread the anger is. Is it a loud vocal minority of people who are very online like myself? Or is this something that permeates beyond the walls of social media? I don't think we're going to have an answer to that truly until that first home game. And I think that's kind of what Sporting Kansas City is banking on. Now, there are groups like the ladies of SKC who saw the initial statements from the Cauldron and the South Stand and said, that's not good enough. And they came out and have taken a real leadership role in this. And their statement said, um, you know, you can read it on ladies of SKC on Twitter, but, uh, you know, uh, part of it says, you know, we invite all supporters groups to join us as we work to make it clear and unequivocal that this appointment is unacceptable to the soccer community, both in Kansas City and around the country. We have long and faithfully supported this team with our voices, our time, our wallets, and our hearts. Never before have we felt ourselves called to speak out in opposition to the team. This hiring, however, has set a precedent we cannot accept. So, I mean, that's, that's, they're not messing around. They're going to show up to these games and they're going to have signs. They're going to have protests. They're going to have calls for firing. How, what, what I am, am unclear yet on is how widespread is that going to be? If there's a stadium of 20,000 people all in unison calling for that, that's hard to ignore if you're a club. I just don't know yet. So, man, someone someone needs to go on the news and talk about this. <laughs> well, yes, I did go on KMBC. They, they, I talked to them for like 10 minutes and they used a sentence of, of what I said, which I knew was going to happen. But again, sh- shout out to ladies of SKC. They were on there too. Um, Daniel Sperry has been doing a very good job trying to ask questions and, and report on this from the Kansas City Star. Sam McDowell wrote a, a very good op-ed um, in the Kansas City Star. I forget exactly what it said, but there was a quote that was like, wouldn't it be great if the new sporting director hire for Sporting Kansas City didn't have to apologize to women 70 seconds into his press conference? And- Bro, <laughs> that's, and that's what's crazy. Or we're like, we're making excuses and saying the facts aren't necessarily reported and you know, talking about like a second chance and shit. Like, yeah. I, I don't know well, about this, dude. I don't know. I think he should be. I think he should be uh, a season ticket rep. 
<laughs> Sorry, no disrespect to season ticket reps. The answer all I the think, that, in my opinion, that's the ground level to like get into a sports business is become a rep, probably. I mean, put that dude at the gates scanning tickets. All right, let me see your let me see your QR codes. I'm Gavin Wilkinson. <laughs> I uh yeah, the the one thing the club and I've thought about this more over the last week, and and one thing the club kind of relied on was you know, we believe him, we think he's sincere, and he and we believe people deserve a second chance. They kept saying second chance. Second chance makes it sound like there was one incident of of a mistake, and then he has apologized and moved on, and now this is your second chance. I went through, you mentioned I, I like do research, and I do. I literally earlier today reread the Yates report. I went through the whole thing? It's it's hundreds of pages. I read Did everything. <laughs> this was this was off work time. This was this I read everything. I didn't read the entire hundreds of pages report, but I did read like I don't know, like 70 pages of it. Everything that mentions Gavin Wilkinson specifically, I read the entire Paul Riley section, which is a large part of this report. You know that there's approximately 50 different mentions of the name Wilkinson in the Yates report all referring to Gavin Wilkinson. This is not just like, a, oh yeah, the Western New York Flash called me and I was like, yeah, he was put in a bad position and then that was it. This goes beyond that. So to classify this as made a mistake, should have known better, here's my second chance, I think is a very generous interpretation of what I view more and have reinforced my belief after reading the Yates report again as a consistent pattern of poor judgment and poor decisions made by an executive that endangered the female players, the women players, not just on his own team, but on future teams when he decided to give a positive recommendation, even by his own admission in the Yates report, which I think is a convenient part that he left out because there's a quote in the Yates report that says, Wilkinson recalled speaking on the phone and agreed that his message was other than the reason why he was fired, Riley was a good coach and Wilkinson would hire him again. There is no documentary evidence that the Thorns informed the Western New York Flash that Riley was terminated for cause. Huh. That's game over for me, bro. It should be. Um, but by all means, let's talk about how Robert Castellanos won the beep test. <laughs> and and this is what does suck. And this is what's hard is because, yeah, Sporting KC preseason has started. We should be sitting here talking about... I want to care. Right. I, like, I said this in my article. The, this club me, tr truly, genuinely means a lot to me. You and I met through this club. We became right. friends through this we had club. A little, we had a meet cute. Wasn't a big deal. A little meet cute. We follow each other on Twitter, don't we? And I was like, <laughs> we do, yeah, we do. Don't you bat your eyes at me. I see you. Oh, my God. Uh, you didn't have the long hair at that time. I just keep yawning. Okay, <laughs> I ate I ate Mongolian grill tonight, and I think I'm sodium bloated. <laughs> But like, I mean, I have on my other monitor here, like I, I genuinely, I have like, I don't know how many words this is. I wish it could tell me. I took detailed notes as I read through the Yates report again. I mean, and this is, this isn't even just the Riley stuff. At one point, Wilkinson is accused of um, telling up, this is years ago, but telling a player they needed to stop being such a bitch when they were complaining about stuff. He also told um, Melania Shim, this was again, pre- uh, Riley stuff that she needed to stop talking about off the field stuff, quote unquote, after she had publicly come out about her sexuality. 
was discouraging her from talking about that. Those are things that directly involve Wilkinson. He denies them, but they're in the report and they're presented as there's evidence to corroborate at least the legitimacy of the allegations. So again, not an isolated thing. He oversaw a kangaroo court investigation within the Thorns that didn't mention the words sexual or misconduct, even though the primary complaint was sexual misconduct and enabled this to happen again at the flash and the courage. I just, that for me is what I can't get over. I don't know. It sucks. We sh- no, we shouldn't get over it. And you know, people that are good at, at social media, like keep doing your thing. I mean, keep doing it. Don't, don't, don't let up. Like, this is ridiculous. Like we, we aren't happy and we can voice our displeasure however we want. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there, though, that are like, hey, can't wait for the sporting season to happen. And then their buddy's like, ooh, are you serious? Haven't you heard about this? I'm sure there's people that don't know or just are like, no, what's that mean? You know? Well, and that sucks. And, you know, some of what the club has positioned is working for some people because I've had people in my mentions being like, why do you care so much? You don't think people deserve a second chance? What's, what should you do? Just not work and die? And I'm like, no, that's not what I said. That was a literal quote. Like, you think you just should stop working and die? Like, no. But I don't think if you're fired for in the inability to, to protect the people you're charged with leading from abuse, especially sexual abuse, you shouldn't then get immediately rewarded with another job of similar nature where you're similarly responsible for another group of people, their well-being, all the way down through the academy, mind you. This isn't just the senior team. He's responsible for the strategic direction of children. Yeah. So don't love that. No, I don't love that. And people think you can just kind of disappear for a bit and that people will just forget and then you can come back and, and do the same thing you were doing. It ain't like that. You know, people don't forget this is this is nonsense. You never had a great apology or apology of any kind. You never showed any remorse. Yeah. And even in your press conference, it, you sh- it shouldn't have to seem like an apology to her. It was supposed yeah. to be an announcement of a, a a new position or a new person holding this position and helping Peter. Well, and that's the thing. I'm glad you mentioned that because I th- I genuinely think the club because they made this decision, which even if you put aside the morals of it, I don't remember if I said this last week or not. I've said this to other people at least through the week. Even if you put the morals aside from this, this is a bad business decision. You already had fans who were a little bit on edge after the way the season started last year. A lot of vocal people at least were calling for the ouster of Peter Vermees. That sort of died down as the year went on. They made the playoffs. They made their run. There were still some people there, but it felt like maybe this club was was starting to turn a corner. Maybe there could be some positive momentum heading into 2024. People who are mad are like, you know what? New season. Let's see how this goes. And then this decision's made. And you reignite all of that fan anger. I just, from a pure business standpoint, am having a hard time. And I haven't yet found somebody who can really explain it to me other than Peter Ramiz, Mike Gillig, and Gavin Wilkinson, why this was the decision when there were other qualified candidates who were available without this baggage. Yeah, but- it just, it sucks. I don't think we're going to get any answers anytime soon because the most recent tweet, uh, 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 quotes, I almost said tweets, <laughs> quote, quote, tweet. Uh, I didn't say what you thought I was going to say. I almost said <laughs> something close, but quote, I'm just, tweets. I'm done. The most recent quote from a tweet 
Um, Sporting Kansas City president and CEO. This is, a, by the way, credit to Daniel Sperry from the Kansas City Star. He tweeted this out, um, a link to his story. This is from his story. Sporting KC president and CEO Jake Reed did not comment directly on the backlash during a brief call with the Star on Tuesday, but he did say that the team hopes to get Wilkinson in front of fans, quote, sooner rather than later. Quote, we're excited to still get Gavin in front of folks, Reed said. We want to do a Q&A, a town hall with not just the core supporters, but any fans in general. I think our brand has always been to be transparent and put ourselves out front, and we don't intend to do anything different around that. And then Sperry continued, press for a timetable about when such a gathering might take place. Reed noted Sporting KC's busy preseason schedule, but said that the club's aim is, quote, at the latest, late February or early March. So that's earliest timeline, six weeks from now. Could be as much as two months from now. It's it's just, it's trash. I mean, no one wants that anyways. No. No one wants that. Uh, God damn. And we'll be, ta- you know, we'll send anyone live stream that shit. You know, I mean, can we get that out there? That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, this is um, what what it says to me is that what they're hoping is that this will die down, that this is a loud minority on social media, that this will die down as they come out with a new jersey, probably an Argyle jersey, that people are going to be like, oh, nostalgia. I love the Argyle. Oh, it's great. And they're going to buy their messy tickets that are overpriced for Arrowhead Stadium that we don't even have time to talk about today. No. And then they're going to go to that game. Sporting are hopefully going to win their first game, their home opener, or their opener and their home opener. And 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 then, maybe then, we'll talk together. No, they're hoping we all forget. Mm-hmm. Nobody forget. Like, come on, now. Hey, let's make a t-shirt. Let's put a <laughs> damn t-shirt out there. People don't want to wear sporting stuff, but I bet they will wear no other pod stuff if it says something like this on it. I do oh, think that... I, I wouldn't be surprised if there are t-shirts that are made. I actually did get a message earlier today. Shout out to, uh, to uh, I've never said this on a podcast before. Shout out to Timbers fans. Um, I got a message from from one of the Timbers Army members earlier, and 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 they, one, offered you know condolences and, and huh. you know, support through the situation because they went through it. They did say that it took them years of fighting this, so this is probably not going to be a long thing, which does suck. Um, but but one of the things they mentioned is we probably have dozens of hashtag GW out shirts we can send you all. So um, it will be interesting to see what happens. I know the ladies of SKC were organizing a, a call to talk about next action steps. So I think more will come from this. We're gonna we're gonna continue talking about it as much as it sucks. I don't I I, I don't know about you. I want to be able to talk about soccer. I want to be excited for the season. It's just yeah. I'm having a hard oh, time. We ought to be talking about how we we you know we, we're hanging on to Courtney Ford. Mm-hmm. He he signed with Sporting KC too, you know, mm-hmm. like that's such a neat situation. Yep, it is. But uh, here we are talking about this, man. That's what it is. And and don't forget, like if we if you truly want something, you get it changed, Jimmy. This is how Sonic the Hedgehog was fixed. <laughs> we that <laughs> you could have paid me. You could have told me I will give you. A trillion dollars to guess the analogy I am going to make on this podcast episode. Am I wrong? And never in my life would I have ended at Sonic the Hedgehog. This is that. This that's what happened. He looked like shit, and people were like, "No, that is not Sonic." And they went in 
and they brought the animators and, and CGI people back in to fix it. And it's yeah. glorious now. Never yeah. forget, guys. Sonic. Yeah. There you go. If we could change Sonic, who knows? We can do what- anything. We can shape the world. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, I don't know. We're, we're about out at an hour. Um, I, I just, it, it's, you know, on a personal note, it's disheartening. I don't know what this means in terms of like how I'm going to approach this season. You know, we have a podcast. Podcast is not going anywhere. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to cover this club and, and you know, how to figure out, can, can I, how do I do this in a way where I don't feel like I'm compromising what I believe in, but at the same time still do the service that I enjoy doing of covering this club and, and, and what I have tried to be objective about. And this obviously makes it harder, but I don't know. It'll be tough. We'll see. I'll tell you, there's a fear with me and I'm sure you have it too, that, oh, you don't want to, you don't want to step on any sporting toes. You don't want to uh, upset anyone in the office. And it's like, mm. but they, they never really did anything for us. Like, they, you know, I, I'm not too worried about that. Uh, I'm always going to be honest on here. Um, despite what happens, like they're not going to, they're not going to fire me. They, yeah. they don't pay me enough to make that detrimental anyways. So, you know, you pay sporting. <laughs> right. Like, so if they want to be mad, that's fine. I'm sure they, I'm sure tons of them know that there is so much truth to what we're saying. And they just can't say that because they work there. They do, yeah. you know? And I get it. And that sucks. Which so. sucks so bad, dude. Yeah. I can't imagine. I hate working at places where you have to feel like you got to kiss everyone's ass or, or you'll get in trouble for saying what you think. Yeah. So out of that shit. We'll continue to follow this story as new developments or, or new reports or new changes come out. We'll we'll be sure to 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 let you know. Um, and 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 yeah, I mean, I don't think this is going to go away. Even if we start covering more soccer aspects of this, I th- I don't think we're going to just forget this is happening. It'll be present somehow throughout what we do. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. So we'll see. Um, I am grateful again that we had uh, Josh Glower on to talk about something that was not Sporting KC or Gavin Wilkinson related. Um, again, chasinggoalsfilm.com um, or, or globalfc.net if you want to learn more about what they're doing there. Some very cool stuff. Looking forward to seeing the final cut of that film when it is ready. Um, you got anything else you want to mention to our good listeners? No. Let's rock and roll. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Make sure you follow us. Uh, Twitter and Instagram at no other pod at Dan Kuzer at JCMac03. Shoot us an email, nootherpod at gmail.com. Leave us that five star rating and review if you can. We really appreciate it. And uh, check us out on YouTube, KCSN Soccer on YouTube or the Kansas City Sports Network app. But until next time, he's Dan. I'm Jimmy. We'll catch y'all later. See ya. We changed Sonic. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.